0: chapter three of the life of washington volume two by john marshall this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter three invasion of canada meditated siege of st john's capture of fort Chamblee, carleton defeated at long isle st john's capitulated montreal surrenders arnold's expedition he arrives before quebec retires to Pointe- montgomery lays siege to quebec unsuccessful attack on that place death of montgomery blockade of quebec general thomas takes command of the army the blockade raised general sullivan takes the command battle of the three rivers canada evacuated general carleton constructs a fleet enters Lake champlain defeats the american flotilla takes possession of crown point retires into winter quarters Seventeen seventy five during these transactions events of great interest were passing still further north serious dissatisfaction prevailed in canada the measures of administration had disquieted the british settlers without conciliating the ancient inhabitants at the same time the regular troops had been chiefly ordered to boston and the province left almost entirely undefended these facts were known in the united colonies it was also known that military stores to an immense amount had been deposited in quebec and that preparations were making to invade the colonies from that quarter the possession of that country was believed to be all-important and its present temper countenanced the opinion that its weight would be thrown into the scale of that party which should first show a force in it sufficient for the protection of its inhabitants the facility with which crown point and ticonderoga had been taken and the command of the lakes george and champlain acquired added to the motives already stated inspiring congress with a daring design of anticipating the plans meditated in canada by taking possession of that province invasion of canada meditated in june 1775, a resolution passed that body directing general schuyler to repair to ticonderoga and take the proper measures for securing that post and crown point and for retaining the command of the lakes he was at the same time authorized if he should find the measure not disagreeable to the canadians to take possession of st john's and montreal and to pursue any other steps which might have a tendency to promote the peace and security of the united colonies near three thousand men from new england and new york were designed for this service a number of bateaux were directed to be built at ticonderoga and crown point to convey them along lake champlain and fifty thousand dollars in specie were voted for the expenses of the army in canada general schuyler who was at new york when this important command was confided to him hastened to ticonderoga in order to make the necessary arrangements for the enterprise the troops of that department belonging to different colonies stationed at different places and acknowledging no one commanding officer were found in a state of entire disorganization the stores were misapplied or wasted no subordination nor camp discipline was observed and had the enemy been in a condition to attempt a coup de ticonderoga and crown point would have been lost with as much facility as they had been acquired september schuyler immediately commenced the task of preparing vessels for the transportation of the troops a task the more laborious and tedious as the timber for the bateau was then to be procured from the woods before the preparations were complete or the soldiers destined for the expedition were assembled the impatience expressed by the discontented in canada rendered an immediate movement advisable orders were therefore given to general montgomery to embark with the troops then in readiness and general schuyler having directed the expected reinforcements to rendezvous at the île au followed and joined him before he reached that place the americans entered that province circular letters to the canadians exhorting them to rouse and assert their liberties and declaring that the americans entered their country not as enemies but as friends and protectors were immediately dispersed among them and to improve the favorable impression which had been made it was determined to advance directly to st john's on the sixth of september the american army amounting to about one thousand men entirely destitute of artillery embarked on the sorel and proceeding down that river landed within a mile and a half of the fort the intelligence received during the evening determined them to return to the isle aux noix and wait for their remaining troops and artillery the isle aux noix lies at the junction of the sorel with lake champlain and to prevent the armed vessels at st john's from entering the latter a boom was drawn across the narrow channel at the point of union between those waters while at that place general schuyler became so ill as to be confined to his bed and the command devolved on montgomery September 25, Siege of St. John's. Late in September, the artillery was brought up and reinforcements arrived, which augmented the army to nearly 2,000 men, upon which Montgomery again proceeded to the investment of St. John's. This place was garrisoned by five or 600 regulars, with about 200 Canadian militia, and was well provided with artillery and military stores. The Army of Canada, as well as the other armies of the United Colonies, was almost entirely without powder and of consequence the siege advanced slowly its necessities in this respect were fortunately relieved by the capture of fort Chamblay, which being supposed to be covered by st john's was not in a defensible condition october capture of fort Chamblay. in this place about one hundred and twenty barrels of gunpowder were taken after which the siege of st john's was prosecuted with vigour but the garrison made a resolute defence and for some time indulged the hope of being relieved carleton defeated at long isle colonel mclean a veteran officer with his regiment of royal highland emigrants and a few hundred canadians was posted near the junction of the sorel with the st lawrence general carleton was at montreal where he had collected about a thousand men chiefly canadians at the head of these troops he hoped to effect a junction with mclean after which he designed to march with his whole force against montgomery and endeavour to raise the siege but on attempting to cross over from montreal he was encountered and entirely defeated at long isle by a detachment of the american troops under colonel warner another party advanced on mclean being entirely abandoned by his canadians so soon as they were informed of the defeat of the governor and having also received information that arnold was approaching point levy mclean retreated to quebec the americans occupied the post he had abandoned and erected batteries on a point of land at the junction of the sorel with the st lawrence where they also constructed several armed rafts and floating batteries in order to prevent carleton with the vessels at montreal from escaping down the river st john's capitulates november three montgomery was pressing the siege of st john's with great vigor and had advanced his works near the fort when the account of the success at long isle reached him on receiving this intelligence he sent a flag by one of the prisoners with a letter to major preston the commanding officer demanding a surrender of the place all hopes of relief having now vanished the garrison capitulated on being allowed the honors of war scarcely was this first success obtained when the consequences of short enlistments began to be felt the time of service for which the troops had engaged being about to expire great difficulty was experienced in prevailing on them to proceed farther and before the general could induce them to march against montreal he was under the necessity of stipulating explicitly that all who wished it should be discharged at that place having effected this compromise he proceeded against montreal while his floating batteries under colonel easton advanced up the st lawrence and not only prevented the armed vessels of the enemy from escaping to quebec but drove them still higher up the river montreal surrenders november thirteenth montreal was not in a condition to be defended after engaging to allow the canadians in their own laws the free exercise of their religion and the privilege of governing themselves montgomery took peaceable possession of the town and governor carleton retired to his flotilla while preparations were making to attack these vessels the governor was conveyed in a boat with muffled oars down the river in a dark night and made his escape to quebec the fleet soon afterwards surrendered and the general prepared with the utmost expedition to proceed with the few troops who were willing to follow him to the capital of canada diminished as his army was by the discharge of those who claimed the performance of his engagements made at st john's it was necessary to leave a part of it at montreal st john's and chamblais to garrison those places keep open the communication between quebec and the united colonies preserve the dependence of the canadians over all the indians and hold in check the garrisons above him at detroit and niagara these essential objects though provided for with the utmost possible economy of men formed such deductions from his force as to leave little more than three hundred soldiers to follow their general in the enterprise against quebec august foreseeing that the whole force of canada would be concentrated about montreal general washington had planned an expedition against quebec to be carried on by a detachment from his camp before boston which was to march by the way of kennebec river and passing through the dreary wilderness lying between the settled parts of maine and the st lawrence to enter canada about ninety miles below montreal the object of this hardy enterprise was to compel carleton either to draw his troops from the upper country and leave the passage open to the army invading the province by the way of the river sorrel or if he should maintain that position to take possession of quebec all his accounts assured him that this place was unable to hold out against the force which would appear before it and if attacked by an american army before the return of carleton would surrender without firing a shot this arduous enterprise was committed to colonel arnold about a thousand men consisting of new england infantry some volunteers a company of artillery under captain lamb and three companies of riflemen were selected for the service arnold's expedition by the way of the kennebec such delays in expediting this detachment were occasioned by the derangements of the army that arnold could not commence his march until the middle of september the success of the expedition depending in a great measure on the friendly temper of the province against which it was directed the instructions given to arnold earnestly inculcated the cultivation of a good understanding with the canadians and even enjoined an abandonment of the enterprise should this sudden invasion of their country threaten to irritate them and induce them to take up arms against the united colonies he was furnished with about one thousand pounds in specie to defray contingent expenses and with a cargo of manifestos to be dispersed through canada the opinion which had been formed of the favorable disposition of the canadians was not disproved by the event they gave essential aid to the americans and cheerfully facilitated their march through that province but the previous difficulties to be surmounted were much greater than had been apprehended the intermediate country which had never been well explored opposed obstacles to the march which only perseverance like that of arnold and of his brave and hardy followers could have conquered colonel Enos, who commanded the rear division consisting of one-third of the detachment returned from the dead river a branch of the kennebec at first his appearance excited the utmost indignation in the army yet on being arrested he was acquitted by a court-martial on the principle that it was absolutely impracticable to obtain provisions on the route to preserve the troops from perishing with famine arnold who at the head of the first two divisions still prosecuted his march was thirty-two days traversing a hideous wilderness without seeing a house or anything human notwithstanding the zealous and wonderfully persevering exertions of his men the obstacles he encountered so protracted his march that he did not reach the first settlements on the chaudiere which empties itself into the st lawrence near quebec until the third of november on the high grounds which separate the waters of the Kennebec from those of the st lawrence the scanty remnant of provisions was divided among the companies each of which was directed without attempting to preserve any connection with the other to march with the utmost possible celerity into the inhabited country whilst those who gained the front were yet thirty miles from the first poor and scattered habitations which composed that frontier of canada their last morsel of food was consumed but preceded by arnold who went forward for the purpose of procuring for them something which might satisfy the demands of nature the troops persevered in their labours with a vigour unimpaired by the hardships they had encountered until they once more found themselves in regions frequented by human beings after a march of such unexampled fatigue no more time was allowed for repose than was barely sufficient to collect the rear and to refresh the men during this short respite from toil the address signed by general washington was published and every assurance given to the people that they came to protect and not to plunder them the line of march was resumed and on the ninth of november this gallant corps reached point levy opposite quebec he arrives before quebec the town was almost entirely without a garrison and nothing could exceed the astonishment of its inhabitants could arnold have immediately crossed the st lawrence and have availed himself of the first consternation it is believed that he might have entered the place without opposition but a high wind and the want of boats rendered the passage of the river impossible one of his indian messengers dispatched with letters to general schuyler had either betrayed him or been intercepted and thus intelligence of his approach was communicated to colonel mclean who was then at the mouth of the sorel trembling for the capital of the province that gallant veteran determined to throw himself into it and endeavor to defend it in the meantime the winds continued so high for several nights as to render the passage of the river in the canoes which had been collected too hazardous to be attempted and it was only in the night that the americans could hope to cross because four ships of war were distributed at different stations in the river and armed boats were employed to ply around them whilst the americans were thus unavoidably detained on the south side of the st lawrence colonel mclean with his corps of emigrants entered the city november twelfth at length the wind moderated and arnold determined to attempt the river eluding the armed vessels and conquering a rapid current he with great difficulty and danger crossed over in the night and landed his little army about a mile and a half above the place which is rendered memorable by the disembarkation of wolfe the passage of the rugged cliffs which continue on the northern bank of the st lawrence for some distance above quebec being impracticable at this place he marched down on the shore to wolf's cove and ascending with his band of hardy followers the same precipice which had opposed such obstacles to the british hero he too formed his small corps on the heights near the plains of abraham the dangerous and difficult operations of crossing the river in canoes whilst the passage was vigilantly guarded by ships of war and of gaining the almost perpendicular heights of the opposite shore were completed soon after midnight by the advance party consisting of the rifle companies while waiting for the residue of the detachment a council of all the officers was held for the purpose of determining on their future measures although destitute of every implement required for an assault arnold proposed to march immediately against quebec he counted on surprising the place and finding the gates open but this opinion which was not earnestly pressed was overruled disappointed in the expectation of surprising quebec arnold did not immediately relinquish the hope of obtaining possession of that important place not superior to the garrison in point of numbers and without a single piece of artillery he was obviously incapable of acting offensively but he flattered himself that a defection in the town might yet put it in his hands with this view he paraded on the adjacent heights for some days and sent two flags to demand a surrender but the presence of colonel mclean restrained those measures which the fears of the inhabitants dictated deeming any communication with the assailants dangerous he refused to receive the flag and fired on the officer who bore it intelligence was soon obtained that the first alarm was visibly wearing off and giving place to other sentiments unfavorable to the hope of gaining quebec fears for the vast property contained in the town had united the disaffected who were at their own request embodied and armed the sailors too were landed and placed at the batteries and by these means the garrison had become more numerous than the american army and retires to point au tremble november nineteen after collecting those who had been left on the south side of the st lawrence arnold could not parade more than seven hundred men and they were in no condition to risk an action in their laborious march through the wilderness nearly one-third of their muskets had been rendered useless and their ammunition had sustained such damage that the riflemen had not more than ten nor the other troops more than six rounds for each man under these circumstances it was thought most advisable to retire to point aux tremble twenty miles above quebec and there await the arrival of montgomery on their march they saw the vessel which conveyed general Carleton, and afterwards found he had been on shore at point aux tremble a few hours before they reached that place in war the success of the most judicious plans often depends on accidents not to be foreseen nor controlled seldom has the truth of this proposition been more clearly demonstrated than in the issue of the expedition conducted by colonel arnold the situation of canada conformed exactly to the expectations of the american general not suspecting that so bold and difficult an enterprise could be meditated its governor had left quebec entirely defenceless and had drawn the strength of the province towards the lakes Could Arnold have reached that place a few days sooner? Could he even have crossed the river on his first arrival at Point Levy, or had Colonel Enos been able to follow the main body with his division of the detachment? Every probability favors the opinion that this hardy and well-conceived expedition would have been crowned with the most brilliant success. Nay more, had Arnold been careful to relieve the inhabitants of the town from all fears respecting their property, there is reason to believe they would have refused to defend it but although this bold enterprise was planned with judgment and executed with vigor although the means employed were adequate to the object yet the concurrence of several minute and unfavorable incidents entirely defeated it and deprived it of that eclat to which it was justly entitled december five having clothed his almost naked troops at montreal general montgomery at the head of about three hundred men proceeded with his usual expedition to join colonel arnold at point Eau-tremble, where he had supplied the troops of that officer with clothes provided at montreal and afterwards marched with their united forces directly to quebec but before his arrival governor carleton who had entered the town was making every preparation for a vigorous defence the garrison now consisted of about fifteen hundred men of whom eight hundred were militia and between four and five hundred were seamen montgomery's effective force was stated by himself at only eight hundred his situation would have filled with despair a mind less vigorous less sanguine and less brave his numbers were not sufficient to render success probable according to any common principle of calculation and the prospect of their being diminished might be rationally entertained but relying on their courage on himself and his fortune and on the fears of the garrison stimulated too by the high expectations formed throughout america of his success and by the dread of disappointing those expectations he determined to lay immediate siege to the town montgomery lays siege to quebec in a few days he opened a six-gun battery within seven hundred yards of the walls but his artillery was too light to make a breach and he did not calculate on any effect from it his object was to amuse the garrison and conceal his real design although the troops supported the excessive hardships to which they were exposed with constancy and firmness montgomery feared that such continued sufferings would overcome them and as he would soon have no legal authority to retain a part of them he apprehended that he should be abandoned by that part impressed with the real necessity of taking decisive steps and impelled by his native courage this gallant officer determined to risk an assault of such materials was his little army composed that the most desperate hardihood could not hope to succeed in the proposed attempt unless it should receive the approbation of all his troops it was therefore necessary not only to consult the officers individually on this delicate subject but to obtain also the cheerful assent of the soldiers to the meditated enterprise the proposition was at first received coldly by a part of arnold's corps who were by some means disgusted with their commanding officer but the influence of morgan who was particularly zealous for an assault and who held up as a powerful inducement the rights conferred by the usages of war on those who storm a fortified town at length prevailed and the measure was almost unanimously approved whilst the general was preparing for the assault the garrison received intelligence of his design from a deserter this circumstance induced him to change the plan which had originally been to attack both the upper and lower towns at the same time that finally adopted was to divide the army into four parts and while two of them consisting of canadians under major livingstone and a small party under major brown were to distract the garrison by making two feints against the upper town at st john's and cape diamond the other two led the one by montgomery in person and the other by arnold were to make real attacks on opposite sides of the lower town after gaining that it would yet be extremely difficult to conquer the obstacles to be surmounted in forcing their way to the upper town but as all the wealth of the city would then be in their power it was confidently expected that the inhabitants to secure their property would compel the governor to capitulate december thirty one unsuccessful attack on that place between four and five in the morning the signal was given and the several divisions moved to the assault under a violent storm of snow the plan was so well concerted that from the side of the river st lawrence along the fortified front round to the basin every part seemed equally threatened montgomery advanced at the head of the new york troops along the st lawrence by the way of Aus de mer under cape diamond the first barrier on this side at the Pot Ash, was defended by a battery in which a few pieces of artillery were mounted about two hundred paces in front of which was a blockhouse and picket the guard placed at the blockhouse being chiefly canadians after giving a random and harmless fire threw away their arms and fled in confusion to the barrier their terrors were communicated to those who defended this important pass and from the intelligence afterwards received by the american prisoners in Quebec, it appears that the battery was for a time deserted Death of Montgomery Unfortunately, the difficulties of the route render it impossible for Montgomery to avail himself instantly of this first impression. Cape Diamond, around which he was to make his way, presents a precipice, the foot of which is washed by the river, where such enormous and rugged masses of ice had been piled on each other as to render the way almost impassable. Along the scanty path leading under the projecting rocks of the precipice, the Americans press forward in a narrow file until they reach the blockhouse and picket montgomery who was himself in front assisted with his own hand to cut down and pull up the pickets and open up passage for his troops but the roughness and difficulty of the way had so lengthened his line of march that he found it absolutely necessary to halt a few minutes having reassembled about two hundred men he advanced boldly and rapidly at their head to force the barrier one or two persons had now ventured to return to the battery and seizing a slow match discharged a gun when the american front was within forty paces of it this single and accidental fire proved fatal to the enterprise the general with captains mcpherson and cheeseman the first of whom was his aide together with his orderly sergeant and a private were killed upon the spot the loss of their general in whom their confidence had been so justly placed discouraged the troops and colonel campbell on whom the command devolved made no attempt to reanimate them this whole division retired precipitately from the action and left the garrison at leisure to direct its undivided force against arnold at the common signal for the attack the division commanded by this officer moved in files along the street of st roch's towards the sot de matelot where the first barrier had been constructed and a battery of two twelve-pounders erected in imitation of montgomery he too led the forlorn hope in person and was followed by captain lamb with his company of artillery and a field-piece mounted on a sled close in the rear of the artillery was the main body in front of which was morgan's company of riflemen commanded by himself the path along which the troops were to march was so narrow that the two pieces of artillery in the battery were capable of raking with grape shot every inch of the ground whilst the whole right flank was exposed to an incessant fire of musketry from the walls and from the pickets of the garrison in this order arnold advanced along the st charles with the utmost intrepidity the alarm was immediately given and the fire on his flank commenced as he approached the barrier he received a musket ball in the leg which shattered the bone and was carried off the field morgan rushed forward to the battery at the head of his company and received from one of the pieces almost at its mouth a discharge of grape-shot which killed only one man the barricade was instantly mounted on which the battery was deserted without a discharge from another gun the captain of the guard with a greater number of his men were made prisoners morgan formed his troops in the streets within the barrier and took into custody several english and canadian burghers but his situation soon became extremely critical he was not followed by the main body of the division he had no guide and was himself totally ignorant of the situation of the town it was yet dark and he had not the slightest knowledge of the course to be pursued or of the defences to be encountered under these circumstances it was thought unadvisable to advance farther they were soon joined by lieutenant-colonel green and majors bigelow and meigs with several fragments of company so as to constitute altogether about two hundred men as the light of day began to appear this gallant party was again formed with morgan's company in front and with one voice loudly called on him to lead them against the second barrier which was now known to be less than forty paces from them though concealed by an angle of the street from their immediate view seizing the few ladders brought with them they again rushed forward and under an incessant fire from the battery and from the windows overlooking it applied their ladders to the barricade and maintained for some time a fierce and on their part a bloody contest exposed thus in a narrow street to a galling fire and finding themselves unable to force the barrier or to discharge more than one in ten of their firearms, the violence of the storm having unfitted them for service many of the assailants threw themselves into the stone houses on each side which afforded them a shelter both from the storm and from the enemy after continuing some time in this situation morgan proposed to cut their way back to the american camp they were prevented from adopting this daring resolution only by the suggestion that the attack led by montgomery of whose fate they were ignorant might possibly be successful and that in the event of his having entered the opposite part of the town their cooperation might be useful to him on this account they determined still to maintain their situation but the force of the enemy increasing considerably they soon perceived that they were no longer masters of their own destinies and surrendered themselves prisoners of war in this bold attack on quebec the loss on the part of the garrison was inconsiderable that of the americans was about four hundred men three hundred and forty of whom were prisoners it fell chiefly on arnold's division captain hendricks of the pennsylvania riflemen lieutenant humphreys of morgan's company and lieutenant cooper of connecticut were among the slain captains lamb and hubbard and lieutenant Steele and tisdale were among the wounded every officer at the second barrier received several balls through his clothes and some of them were severely scorched by the powder from the muzzles of the muskets discharged at them but the loss most deplored and most fatal to the hopes of the american army was that of their general richard montgomery was a native of ireland and had served with reputation in the late war after its conclusion he settled in new york where he married an american lady and took a decided part with the colonies in their contest with great britain his military reputation was high throughout america in the history of his achievements while commanding in canada we perceive the bold skilful and active partisan and so far as a judgment can be formed of a capacity for conducting the movements of a large army from judicious management of a small one we cannot hesitate to allow him the talents of an able general at the head of a small body of undisciplined troops drawn from different colonies unwilling to be commanded by a stranger jealous of him in the extreme often disposed to disobedience and anxious for their homes he conquered difficulties which not many would have ventured to meet and until his last fatal moment was uniformly successful in little more than two months he made himself master of canada from the lakes to quebec and as if determined to triumph over the climate itself laid siege in the depth of winter to that important fortress his measures seemed to have been taken with judgment and were certainly executed with great courage and unremitting exertion when he appears to have risked much and to have exposed his troops to excessive hardships this line of conduct was not inconsiderably chosen the state of his affairs left him only the alternative between attempting to storm quebec or abandoning the great object of the expedition nor was his attempt so hopeless a measure as the strength of the place and the event might at first few induce us to suppose the design was worthy of the lofty spirit which formed it though hazardous it was not desperate and if great courage was required to crown it with success great courage was employed in its execution he counted and with reason on the fears of the garrison and on the immense extent of ground to be guarded had he not fallen himself or been deserted by his troops it is even yet believed the enterprise would have succeeded the progress made by arnold's division gives great countenance to this opinion to manifest the high sense entertained of his services congress directed a monument expressing the circumstances of his death and the gratitude of his country to be erected to his memory the americans being no longer in a condition to continue the siege retired about three miles from the city where though inferior in numbers to the garrison they maintained the blockade by preserving this bold countenance they retained the confidence of the canadians which saved their affairs for a time from total ruin governor carleton was content to preserve quebec until the reinforcements he expected in the spring should enable him to act on the offensive he therefore determined not to hazard an attack with a garrison on which it was unsafe to rely and arnold on whom the command had devolved remained undisturbed although badly wounded he retained his courage and activity and though deserted by those whose terms of service had expired so as to be reduced at one time to about five hundred effective men he discovered no disposition to sink under the weight of adverse fortune while the affairs of the colonies wore this gloomy aspect in canada congress was indulging sanguine hopes of annexing that province to the union nine regiments including one to be raised in that colony were voted for its defense during the ensuing campaign and general schuyler was directed to construct a number at bateau at ticonderoga for the purpose of transporting the troops to the scene of action seventeen seventy six while adopting these measures congress received the melancholy intelligence of the disaster of the thirty-first december far from being dispirited by this reverse of fortune that body redoubled its exertions to hasten reinforcements to the army in canada and urged the several conventions to collect for its use all the specie they could obtain january seventeenth these measures were in some degree accelerated by having been anticipated by the commander-in-chief the service in canada being deemed of too much importance to be entrusted to colonel now brigadier general arnold or to general worcester and the health of general schuyler not admitting of his proceeding to Quebec, general thomas an officer who had acquired reputation at roxbury was ordered to take command of the army in that province in the hope of exciting throughout canada the sentiments which prevailed in the united colonies and of forming with it a perfect union three commissioners mr franklin mr chase and mr carroll were deputed with full powers on this subject and with instructions to establish a free press these commissioners were directed to assure the people that they would be permitted to adopt such form of government as should be agreeable to themselves to exercise freely all the rights of conscience and to be considered as a sister colony governed by the same general system of mild and equal laws which prevailed in the other colonies with only such local differences as each might deem conducive to its own happiness they were also instructed to inquire into the conduct of the american army and to correct any irregularities which might be offensive to the people congress seems to have entertained the opinion expressed by general washington in a letter to general scotter that the province could be secured only by laying hold of the affections of the people and engaging them heartily in the common cause in pursuance of this opinion they adopted the magnanimous policy of compensating those individuals who had suffered for their adherence to the americans blockade of quebec continued in the meantime arnold maintained the blockade of quebec but reinforcements were slow in arriving notwithstanding every exertion to hasten them and from the first of january to the first of march the effective force before that place had never exceeded seven hundred men and had often been as low as five hundred in march reinforcements arrived in greater numbers and the army was increased to seventeen hundred but this number was soon reduced by the smallpox which had made its way into camp where in contempt of orders it was propagated by inoculation to render the blockade in any degree effectual this small army which occupied the island of orleans and both sides of the st lawrence was spread over a circuit of twenty-six miles and divided by three ferries the establishment of discipline had been impracticable if attempted and the canadians were often injured and irritated there is reason to believe that even general arnold was disposed to think himself in the country of an enemy and that in repressing orders he did not exert that energy which he had always displayed conspicuously in the field march four many causes combined to diminished the attachment originally manifested by the canadians to the united colonies the necessities of his situation compelled general arnold to issue a proclamation making paper money current under the promise of redeeming it in four months and denouncing those as enemies who should refuse to receive it the canadians were unwilling to exchange their property or labor for an article of such uncertain value and the discontents excited by the attempt to force it on them were very considerable another circumstance which had great influence with reflecting men was the obvious incompetence of the american force to its object the canadians had expected a powerful army sufficient for the protection of the country and their disappointment in this respect produced a great change in their opinions and conduct the dissatisfaction arising from these causes was augmented by the priests they as a body were never cordial in the american interest and having been since the death of montgomery very injudiciously neglected had become almost universally hostile to the views of the united colonies general carleton was no stranger to the revolution which was taking place in the minds of the canadians and entertained the hope of raising the siege by their assistance a detachment of about sixty men from the garrison of quebec landed twelve leagues below the town on the south side of the river and were joined by about two hundred and fifty canadians who were rapidly increasing in numbers when they were suddenly attacked by a detachment sent by arnold which surprised their advance guard killed a few took some prisoners and dispersed the residue april too as the season of the year approached when reinforcements from england might be expected arnold deemed it necessary to recommence active operations and to resume the siege his batteries were again erected and were opened on the second of april but without much effect he had not weight of metal to make a breach in the wall nor an engineer capable of directing a siege nor artillerists who understood the management of the pieces on the first of april worcester had arrived and on the succeeding day arnold's horse fell with him and so bruised one of his legs as to confine him to his bed for some time believing himself to be neglected he obtained leave of absence as soon as he was able to move and took the command at montreal april 15. a considerable part of the army having become entitled to a discharge no inducement could prevail on them to continue longer in so severe a service this deduction from worcester's force was the more sensibly felt because the present situation of the roads the lakes and the st lawrence suspended the arrival of the reinforcements destined for his aid general thomas takes command of the army among the first to reach camp after this state of things took place was general thomas he arrived on the first of may and found an army consisting of nineteen hundred men of whom less than one thousand including officers were effective among these were three hundred entitled to discharge who refused to do duty and insisted importunately on being immediately dismissed this small force was still more enfeebled by being so divided that it was impracticable to unite more than three hundred men at any one point all the magazines contained but one hundred and fifty barrels of powder and six days provisions nor could adequate supplies from the country people be obtained as the canadians no longer manifested any disposition to serve them the river began to open below and it was certain that the british would seize the first moment of its being practicable to relieve this important place amidst these unpromising circumstances the hopes of taking quebec appeared to general thomas to be chimerical and a longer continuance before the town both useless and dangerous it was apparent that the first reinforcements which should arrive would deprive him entirely of the use of the river and consequently would embarrass the removal of his sick and military stores no object remained to justify this hazard the blockade of quebec is raised May sixth, Under these impressions he called a council of war, which unanimously determined that the army was not in a condition to risk an assault, that the six should be removed to the three rivers, and the artillery and other stores embarked in their boats in order to move to a more defensible position. On the evening of the same day intelligence was received that a British fleet was below, and the next morning five ships, which had, with much labor and danger, made their way up the river through the ice, appeared in sight they soon entered the harbor and landed some men whilst the americans were assiduously employed in the embarkation of their sickened stores an operation carried on the more slowly because the first appearance of the ships deprived them of the aid expected from the teams and carriages of the canadians about noon Carleton made a sortie at the head of one thousand men formed into division and supported by six field pieces the americans had thrown up no entrenchments and could not bring into action more than three hundred men under these circumstances victory was scarcely possible, and could have produced no important effect. General Thomas, therefore, with the advice of the field officers about him, determined not to risk an action, and ordered his troops to retreat up the river. This was done with much precipitation, and many of the sick, with all the military stores, fell into the hands of the enemy. The army continued its retreat to the Sorel, where General Thomas was seized with a smallpox, of which he died the americans were much dissatisfied with the conduct of this gentleman to him they in some degree attributed the disasters which ruined their affairs in canada but this censure was unjust he took command of the army when it was too weak to maintain its ground and when the time for saving the sick and the military stores had passed away the siege of quebec instead of being continued longer ought to have been abandoned at an earlier period this was the real fault of those who commanded in canada it is to be ascribed to the reluctance always felt by inexperienced officers to disappoint the public expectation by relinquishing an enterprise concerning which sanguine hopes have been entertained and to encounter the obloquy of giving up a post although it can no longer with prudence be defended in the perseverance with which the siege of quebec was maintained these motives operated with all their force and they received an addition from the unwillingness felt by the americans to abandon those of their friends who had taken so decisive a part in their favor as to be incapable of remaining in safety behind them june four general sullivan takes the command after the death of general thomas reinforcements assembled at the mouth of the sorel which increased the army to four or five thousand men who were commanded by general sullivan the friendly canadians who had supposed themselves abandoned manifested great joy at the arrival of a force which appeared to them very considerable and offered every assistance in their power sullivan calculated on their joining him in great numbers and entertained sanguine hopes of recovering and maintaining the post of de chambeau as a previous measure it was necessary to dislodge the enemy at the three rivers carleton was not immediately in a situation to follow up the blow given the americans at quebec and to drive them entirely out of the province but the respite allowed them was not of long duration towards the end of may large reinforcements arrived which augmented the british army in canada to about thirteen thousand men the general rendezvous appointed for these troops was at the three rivers the army was greatly divided a considerable corps commanded by general Fraser, had reached the three rivers and the main body was on its way from quebec the distance from the sorel was about fifty miles and several armed vessels and transports full of troops lay about five miles higher up than the three rivers full in the way general thompson commanded the army after the illness of general thomas understanding the party at the three rivers to consist of about eight hundred men partly canadians had detached colonel st clair with between six and seven hundred men to attack it if there should be any probability of doing so with advantage colonel st clair advanced to Nicolay, where believing himself not strong enough for the service on which he had been ordered he waited for further reinforcements or additional instructions at this time general sullivan arrived and understanding the enemy to be weak at the three rivers orders general thompson to join colonel st clair at Nicolay with a reinforcement of nearly fourteen hundred men to take command of the whole detachment and to attack the troops lying at the three rivers provided there was a favorable prospect of success june eighth general thompson joined colonel st clair at Nicolay and believing himself strong enough to perform the service consigned to him fell down the river by night and passed to the other side with the intention of surprising Fraser. the plan was to attack the village a little before daybreak at the same instant at each end whilst two smaller corps were drawn up to cover and support the attack battle of the three rivers the troops passed the armed vessels without being perceived but arrived at three rivers about an hour later than had been intended in consequence of which they were discovered and the alarm was given at their landing to avoid the fire of some ships in the river they attempted to pass through what appeared to be a point of woods but was in reality a deep morass three miles in extent the delays occasioned by their detention in this morass gave general fraser full time to land some field pieces and to prepare for their reception while general nesbitt fell into their rear and cut off their return to the boats they advanced to the charge but were soon repulsed and finding it impracticable returned the way they came were driven some miles through a deep swamp which they traversed with the inconceivable toil and every degree of distress the british at length gave over the pursuit in this unfortunate enterprise general thompson and colonel irwin with about two hundred men were made prisoners and from twenty to thirty were killed the loss of the british was inconsiderable june 14, the whole american force in canada now amounted to about eight thousand men not one half of whom were fit for duty about two thousand five hundred effectives were with general sullivan at the sorel the whole were in a state of total insubordination much harassed with fatigue and dispirited by their late losses by the visible superiority of the enemy and by the apprehension that their retreat would be entirely cut off under all these discouraging circumstances general sullivan formed the rash determination of defending the post at sorel and was induced only by unanimous opinion of his officers and a conviction that the troops would not support him to abandon it a few hours before the british took possession of it the same causes drew him reluctantly from Chamblais and st john's but he resolved to remain at the isle aux noix until he should receive orders to retreat he had been joined at st john's by general arnold who had crossed over at long isle just in time to save the garrison of montreal the isle aux noix is a low and healthy place badly supplied with water where the troops were so universally seized with fevers as to compel general sullivan to retire to the isle la motte at that place he received the orders of general schuyler to embark on the lakes for crown point the armed vessels on the sorel and st lawrence were destroyed and the fortifications of chamble and st john set on fire all the baggage of the army and nearly all the military stores were saved the british army during this whole retreat followed close in the rear and took possession of the different posts which the americans had occupied immediately after they were evacuated on the sorrel the pursuit stopped the americans had the command of the lake and the british general deemed it prudent to wrest it from them before he advanced farther to effect this it was necessary to construct a number of vessels which required time and labor meanwhile general gates was ordered to take command of the northern army which was directed to be reinforced with six thousand militia Canada evacuated, thus terminated the enterprise against Canada. It was a bold and at one period promised to be a successful effort to annex that extensive province to the United Colonies. The dispositions of the Canadians favored the measure, and had Quebec fallen, there is reason to believe the colony would have entered cordially into the Union. Had a few incidents turned out fortunately, had Arnold been able to reach Quebec a few days sooner, or to cross the St. Lawrence on his first arrival, or had the gallant Montgomery not fallen in the assault of the 31st December it is probable the expedition would have been crowned with complete success but the radical causes of failure putting fortune out of the question were to be found in the lateness of the season when the troops were assembled in a defect of the preparations necessary for such a service and still more in the shortness of the time for which the men were enlisted had the expedition been successful the practicability of maintaining the country is much to be doubted Whilst General montgomery lay before quebec expected to obtain possession of the place he extended his views to its preservation his plan required a permanent army of ten thousand men strong fortifications at jacques cartier and the rapids of richelieu and armed vessels in the river above the last place with this army and these precautions he thought the country might be defended but not with an inferior force it seems therefore to have been an enterprise requiring means beyond the ability of congress and the strength exhausted on it would have been more judiciously employed in securing the command of the lakes george and champlain and the fortified towns upon them while general carleton was making preparations to enter the lakes general schuyler was using his utmost exertions to retain the command of them but so great was the difficulty of procuring workmen and materials that he found it impossible to equip a fleet which would be equal to the exigency it consisted of only fifteen small vessels the largest of which was a schooner mounting twelve guns carrying six and four pound balls the command of the squadron at the instance of general washington was given to general arnold general carleton constructs a fleet with almost incredible exertions the british general constructed a powerful fleet and afterwards dragged at the rapids of st therese and st john's a vast number of longboats and other vessels among which was a gondola weighing thirty tons this immense work was completed little more than three months and as if by magic general arnold saw on lake champlain early in october a fleet consisting of nearly thirty vessels the largest of which the inflexible carried eighteen twelve pounders enters lake champlain this formidable fleet having on board general Carleton himself and navigated by seven hundred prime seamen under the command of captain pringle proceeded immediately in quest of arnold who was advantageously posted between the island of ballicoor and the western main notwithstanding the disparity of force a warm action ensued a wind unfavorable to the british kept the inflexible and some other large vessels at too great a distance to render any service the circumstance enabled arnold to keep up the engagement until night when captain pringle discontinued it and anchored his whole fleet in a line as near the vessels of his adversary as was practicable in this engagement the best schooner belonging to the american flotilla was burnt and a gondola was sunk Defeats the american flotilla in the night arnold attempted to escape to ticonderoga and the next morning was out of sight but being immediately pursued was overtaken about noon and brought to action a few leagues short of crown point he kept up a warm engagement for about two hours during which the vessels that were most ahead escaped to ticonderoga two galleys and five gondolas which remained made a desperate resistance at length one of them struck after which arnold ran the remaining vessels on shore and blew them up having first saved his men though great efforts were made to take them on the approach of the british army a small detachment which had occupied crown point as an outpost evacuated the place and retired to ticonderoga which schuyler determined to defend to the last extremity takes possession of crown point retires into winter quarters general carlton took possession of crown point and advanced a part of his fleet into lake george within view of ticonderoga his army also approached that place as if designing to invest it but after reconnoitering the works and observing the steady countenance of the garrison he thought it too late to lay siege to the fortress re-embarking his army he returned to canada where he placed it in winter quarters making the isle aux noix his most advanced post chapter three